for me, I learned pretty early on, you better walk on this path, the path that's laid out before you, because when I don't, that's when the suffering happens. Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, we are back. Episode number 46 with Marla Matteson. How are you, Marla? I'm pretty fantastic today, I gotta say. You look fantastic, and it's what, four in the morning, five, six in the morning? I, <laughs> I got all gussied up for you today. <laughs> it's much appreciated. Marla is a relationship and intimacy expert who focuses on entrepreneurial couples, but she'll, you know, I'm, so, I'm sure you'll take care of, of, of non entrepreneurial couples as well. She started as a doula, which for people who don't know is like a, it's almost like a baby coach who helps women in the pre and postnatal period. And what she found that was happening is that throughout that process, the couples would sort of drift apart because it is extremely stressful. And she would be sort of counseling them both back together, back to love. And that's sort of where she started. And since then, she's been really successful dealing with, you know, Oscar winning actors, professional athletes. Grammy Award winners. And her thing is she uses pattern recognition from her background in math and neuroscience, which we'll get into. And she uses that to sort of choose new ways for the couples to look at each other and look at the relationship in a brand new way using creativity. So as a creative person, as an artist, I really like that approach. It's different and it's not your typical sort of, you know, psychological breakdown. Let's, you know, go in and and dig up all the old stuff and, (laughs) you know. Right. I like to say it's, it's a very logical approach to emotional material, right? So we bring in the science and the pattern recognition to deal with the very emotional material around relationships. Yeah. Marla, tell me, I've listened to a couple of your interviews and you, and you talk about your background in neuroscience. What is your background in neuroscience and how in math and how did, you know, how did you sort of figure out the framework that, oh, okay, I'm going to relate this to, to relationship counseling, relationship coaching, really? Right. Well, so I went to UCLA, got to shout out the Bruins, Bruins. (laughs) (laughs) and I studied mathematics with the applied sciences, with the medical and life sciences. So I actually studied chemistry, physics, biology, math, and neuroscience, because I couldn't get enough of all that. Were you going to be a doctor? I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to be an OBGYN because I was a doula for so many years. And I, you know, I was like, I wanted to help change the Western medicine profession, and I got all on my high horse about it. And then I realized <laughs> I don't want to fight that battle. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just want to love. That's all. <laughs> That's yeah. it. There's not going to be a lot of love in that battle. 
No, not a lot of love there. So, you know, we all do our part. And I realized, you know, I really love the neuroscience. And I honestly, I didn't realize that people don't calculate trajectories and they're, they're not running calculations all the time. I, I run calculations kind of all the time. Like, you know, when you're walking down the street and you're walking in one direction and someone's coming at you and you're thinking, they're calculating, right? They're, they know to not run into me directly. But you know what? People are not always doing that. It was just shocking to me to find out that, well, not everybody does what I do. And so when I realized that I could take pattern recognition and look for how someone shows up in their relationship, how one partner shows up, and then how the other partner shows up and how those two patterns fit together in an unhealthy way and create an unhealthy outcome, that, of course, you could undo that and unravel that and look at the parts of it and look at how each partner is coming to that pattern and, sh and shift it at the root. And the root is the family lineage, right? We are literally gifted our entire family lineage from our parents, our parents' parents and beyond. And we're carrying the burden of whatever they gave us as a gift. And we get to make a decision on if we want to continue that gift or if we want to shift it and change it and grow it. And it always takes effort if we're going to do that. Yes. Change takes effort. And, you know, it's funny. I like I like your use of the word gift because <laughs> normally <laughs> gifts are things that you want to receive. right? <laughs> but some of these patterns you may not necessarily receive. I think I was listening to I'm interviewing Dr. Ian K. Smith later today. One of his things is that Happiness, 50% of happiness, is. this was studied, 50% of happiness has been found to be genetic. And I thought that was so interesting. It makes sense, though, doesn't it? Half of my DNA came from my mother and half of my DNA came from my father. So coiled into the DNA is all kinds of stuff that we have no idea what it is. And we're still discovering it. Brain science, neuroscience is a huge field. And it's just getting, you know, we don't know so much about the brain. If we knew more about the brain, we would elevate, we would evolve in a different way right now. It would, it would have a huge shift if we could understand more about the brain and how it impacts our daily lives. And that's what I love to do. I love to see how, you know, when you're in a conflict with your partner, something's happening in the brain. You know, it's very hard to make a new choice when you're activated in a conflict. That's one of the hardest things to do. And so, I use neuroscience to help couples understand the science behind what's going on so that they understand it's not their fault. When you turn into a crazy person when you're fighting, like, it's really not your fault. It's a genetic thing. It's, a, it's, it's in our DNA as humans to, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. And what we will go into a little bit later is that you actually teach couples how to rewire their neural pathways through the do-over or the redo process, which is really cool. Yeah, you checked that out. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. It's, it's just rewiring. That's all it is. But we're, we're going to get into it. So look, let's let's talk a little bit about you now. Let's let's get into a little bit of the the personal and professional truth of Marla Matheson. Now, for my new listeners, I will just let you know the premise of the show. You know, I used to say this really long diatribe, but the bottom line is that we as people, as human beings, ignore truth. And we ignore truth because it's painful, because it's difficult to deal with, difficult to swallow, and it's uncomfortable. And it's not until we accept those truths will we be able to move past certain barriers, blockages, and continue to be successful. So, Marla, 
Do you want to do a personal truth or professional truth first? Let's go personal. All right. We we going right. We're going deep. We're going deep immediately. I like go, that. Go right on in. <laughs> so tell my listeners a story about uh, something that you were dealing with, a truth that you were ignoring that in your personal life you had to come to terms with. And once you accepted it, you were able to move past that blockage. Okay. So this is going to be a little different, a little, I think a little different because it's very new, actually. This is more, yeah, this is on the newer side for me. Okay, good. New is good. We're always growing and evolving second by second, minute by minute, day by day, month by month. Yes. I like that. I like that. So, okay. I know. It's so, it's like, it's you so, should see her hands all flying know, up in like the air. Hand. She's brushing <laughs> so her hair like, back. <laughs> you know, this this is your thing. The not body language, nonverbal cues. Like you're giving me all the nonverbal cues right now. You're letting it out. You're releasing I'm it. Letting it out. <laughs> I love it. Okay, here's the deal. I realized I was waking up in the morning in a bad mood, and. That sounds normal, maybe, for some people, but I'm a happy person. And through the work I've done, personal work I've done recently, I realize that I am love. Like, at the core, I'm a very joyous, happy, loving person, and I exude love. It's one of the reasons why people love to work with me is, you know, I have that balance of, like, tell it to you straight and a lot of love and compassion. And I had been, I had onboarded somewhere along the line not to be too happy. Don't let anybody know that you're too happy. And it showed up in not wanting to be happy in the mornings on a totally unconscious level. I didn't realize it was happening until until my partner, Julian, was like, you know, I think we need to work on the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, like Ju- I like Julian, man. I like it. What I've heard of him, I like him. Yeah, you'll have to, you'll have, to have him on sometime. He's amazing. And he'll tell it to you straight. That's for darn sure. So what happened was I realized through my family lineage, and my family lineage is Jewish, there is a lineage of persecution in the Jewish lineage, right? So it's like when you're walking around on the street in the old days, like don't be too happy. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't shine too much. Don't be too bright and don't be too happy. And so I realized that. And then of course I incarnated into a family who reinforced that pattern with my sister. I felt like I couldn't be brighter than her or happier than her or more wonderful than her in any way because I didn't want to upset her. Not coming from her necessarily, just she was older and I wanted her love, right? And my parents, you know, they they had a little bit of the narcissistic traits, not never officially diagnosed or anything, but you know, <laughs> they care about themselves. And so I I grew up in a household where it wasn't okay to shine really bright. Okay. There wasn't a lot of room for me there. And so I Over the years, I learned to dim that light. And I know that almost anybody can understand that and relate to that. But then how do we come out of that? How do we come out of the place where you realize you're dimming your light and you say, screw it, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to shine out bright. And so that piece for me of realizing that I was waking up 
a little curmudgeon a little grumpy, <laughs> a little scroogey, you know? Like, curmudgeon I like that. You know, like a pirate with a patch and everything. And <laughs> I actually am really happy in the morning. And so I started letting my happiness out. And I started becoming a little more boisterous out in public. Like, talking to people and being more of who I really am. And guess what? Nothing happened. I didn't, I wasn't attacked. Right. I wasn't, you didn't implode you know, and explode. Didn't implode. Nobody died. Like it's, it's wonderful. And it makes people happy too. And so my whole thought pattern around what it means to be happy and allow yourself to shine started to rewire itself in my brain like it's okay to do this not only is it okay it's necessary people love when you're happy when you you know uplift others when you practice being the impression of increase like wallace waddles says in the science of getting rich so you took that gift back to the store basically that's what you i did <laughs> He's I like, did. Uh, refund and i want cash right 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 that's amazing because how we start our day is so important. I don't think people really understand that until you put in some type of routine changes that because it's hard. You know, most of us have some kind of job that we have to be there at nine o'clock, eight o'clock. So we're getting up four or five o'clock in the morning and just sort of on that treadmill grind and never really take time to even really feel well, how am I feeling in the morning? What am I bringing into the world? That's why like meditation, exercise, all those things. Are, are fantastic in the morning and people might be like listening to me and might say well i don't have time to meditate everybody has two minutes so i don't want to hear it tell your mind stop lying and do something because any little thing can vastly change your day and i'm sure you can be a testament to this just tell us how has your day changed since you started doing that like from the beginning to the end well you know i think the biggest thing is that my partner julian doesn't have to walk on eggshells at all anymore. You know, he didn't have to navigate around the, you know, the grumpy woman in the room. <laughs> and, and it wasn't that long, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't spending hours there, but I was spending a few minutes there and I could feel him trying to navigate around me. And so I think that's the biggest thing is that because he's all joy, that man is filled with joy. And, you know, I was like encroaching on his joy, not on purpose, you know, but I think that's the first thing is that we got to connect on a deeper level in the morning. And that sets up the whole day because we're connected pretty much all day long because we work together, we live together, we love together, you know, it's pretty much we're together. So, and then after that, because that set the tone, it was, and you know, we can choose our emotion. We don't have, we don't have to be at the mercy of whatever you wake up with. We can wake up with whatever you got. And then you say, Ooh, that's not how I'd like to proceed today. I'm going to choose this one. We choose our outfit. I choose my underwear. I choose the toothpaste I'm using today. Why can't I choose my emotion? I can. I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of clients who didn't realize that that fact that they can actually change their emotion how do you coach them? i mean we're little, getting off a little bit but how do you sort of coach them through that that process of, of switching their emotion well like you said the first step is awareness before we do any coaching at all we go through an observation period and when i say we i mean them all <laughs> <So, laughs> right right so they're observing themselves without changing anything so anybody can do this at home you want to change your relationship first Start with observation. Take your phone out, put the date down in a note, 
and start writing notes about how are you feeling? How are you showing up? What are the thoughts going through your mind throughout the day about your relationship? Okay. If if we're just talking about relationship, you can do this around anything around your health, around working out, around eating, around your business. But if you want to really work on relationship, observe yourself first, notice what activates you. And we, you know, I intentionally use the word activate rather than trigger, right? I know you caught that. I know Absolutely. Because it's all from the inside out. That's right. That's right. And triggered has such a negative connotation, you know, like there's a trigger on a gun and, you know, getting activated is not necessarily a bad thing at all. It's about, oh, when, not if, when I get activated, now that's the time to go in heavy observation mode because when you know yourself in a conflict and you know yourself through the happy times and the sad times, right, then you know how to bring yourself differently because you start to go, oh, yeah, I always get really annoyed when he does X. What if I did something different? Like, like for example, then this is, this is kind of a playful example. So Zoe is Julian's nine-year-old daughter, who's amazing, and she lives with us half-time. She was telling me a story about when she went out in nature and a spider started to crawl across her shoe. And she's really dramatic as she's telling it, right? She's like, and then the spider, and he landed on my shoe. And my response was, that's amazing. And I gave her a high five. And her face like went into, wait, wait, what? Wait, that's not how you are supposed to respond. You're supposed to go with me on the drama train, you know? And I looked at her and I smiled and winked and I, and I said, not the response you were looking for or hoping for or expecting, was it? And she went, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you do something, you throw something different in the mix at a time where you, it's like, you know how you know how your partner shows up? What if they showed up differently in that moment? Wouldn't it shake you out of the normal pattern that you go down? It's pretty amazing. And we all individually have the power to show up differently in the moment. But it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice and dedication. I wanted to to talk about the difference between trigger and activate. Because I like activate because it, it allows you to take personal responsibility. The word trigger it sort of connotes that the other person is sort of pulling the strings. And yes, things on the outside can affect us. But I think what you're pointing to that we don't really focus on a lot is that we have the ability to really adjust and change and shift or in control of our own energy and emotion, you know, on a day to day, second by second, week by week, month by month, you know, basis. It's really empowering when you start to when you start to feel that way. And then you realize, you know what, that person actually doesn't have that much control quote unquote control over me that's right i think it's so it's so important and you know as we're talking about this stuff i always get you know i don't want to say upset but i always get agitated as to i'm 42 years old why am i just you know learning about these things in the last you know say five or six years why wasn't this taught to me in elementary school why don't we role play these things you know talk about rewiring why don't we role play these things in in elementary junior high school high school You know what I mean? It's (laughs) yes, I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, I was a high school math teacher with inner city kids in Los Angeles for seven years. And I did bring a lot of this into the school system. And now I'm on the board of directors of a charter school in Hollywood for seventh through 12th grade. And I consult with them on their sex ed program for the kids. And, you know, we talk about communication and intimacy and because where are they learning this? 
where are the kids learning it? Well, they're learning it, like you said, from their gift. And then they're also learning it from Instagram and television and Netflix. <laughs> so, <laughs> And porn. That's where they're learning intimacy from. And it's pretty scary because porn was meant for entertainment, not for education. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's not for children. So, you know, and if we don't stand up as as parents, as adults, as humans that care about the next generation, you know, what are we leaving behind? What are the gifts that we are leaving behind for the whole generation? And I think you're right. I mean, we need to be teaching intimacy training, communications training in elementary schools. And some people are. Some schools are really progressive and they're doing amazing work. And then there's the rest, right? Because they don't have the resources and they don't have the people driving behind it. All right. So let's go to a professional truth. Now in your, now, I mean, I didn't even know this. You were a high school math teacher and on the board of directors. So you, you know, you're doing a few things professionally and you were a doula and a college student. Through your whole professional life, give us a, a true story that illustrates a blockage that you were ignoring and that you ultimately accepted and was able to move on. This sounds really arrogant, so I'm just going to go with it, but it's actually really tender and vulnerable for me. So I'm just flagging it because not a lot of people know when I'm being vulnerable because it sounds like however it sounds. So I'm just going to flag that. So... I realized that I was capable of earning a lot more money than I was earning. When I was a high school math teacher in Los Angeles Unified, you know, I earned like about $62,000 a year, okay, before taxes. And then I always made a little extra money because I, you know, I did extra things for the school site and then also for Los Angeles Unified and then also taught things around the country for other teachers. And I realized. I know I'm capable of earning more money, significantly more. And when I realized that, and yet I didn't know how to do it, because without changing careers, and I just didn't know what to do. I just had that truth inside of me. I sought out a very high-level coach on mindset to help me break through my money mindset material. What was the coach's name? David Nagel. <laughs> you know David? I just Oh yeah, I he just, was on your I podcast. Just, I just interviewed him. <laughs> Isn't he fantastic? He is fantastic. And I read the book. But anyway, the reason I asked you because as you were saying it, I was, you know, getting flashbacks from our interview and also from his book. So continue. But yes, the information in the book is is excellent. Really awesome and inspiring. He's a spectacular human and you know, it's like, this is the kind of thing when he had the courage to break through his money mindset material, you know, 25 years ago, or whatever it was, working with Bob Proctor, he claimed that for himself. And then all of his students from then on got the benefit of his new claimed gift, right? He claimed that for himself. And I guess I should have said newly claimed gift, but in any case, I was a math teacher, not an English teacher. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but for me, as I claimed that for myself, from working with him, investing in coaching, investing in myself to say, I know I can do this and I'm willing to have challenging conversations with people to see if they want to work with me at the level that I want to have the investment, meaning my prices, 
right? Not, they don't get to determine my prices. I determine my prices. And so I left the teaching profession and went full time into coaching. And I literally took a leap of faith. And I had been a coach for years, you know, in, I mean, as a doula back in, in my early twenties, I was coaching couples all the time. And beyond that, I ended up doing business coaching and leadership coaching and all kinds of training. And, and I went through personal communications trainings. I mean, I have like a whole long scroll list of, you know, certifications and trainings and everything. And it's like, all right, it's time to implement these things. It's time to really get these things out into the world. And the things that I love the most are relationships and intimacy and business, entrepreneurship. You know, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. And, you know, he was self-employed and my mom ended up leaving the legal, legal profession as a legal secretary to be a, an entrepreneur as well. She owned a mobile dog grooming business, which was the love she loved. And so, yeah, my true, my professional truth was I was capable of earning a whole lot more money and I was willing to do the work and, and put in the effort to have my greatness really shine out. You can see the theme here. It's like, you know, it's okay to shine brighter than you could ever imagine. One of the things that David said when we, that he talks about is making your yearly income your monthly income. And that's what he helped me do and beyond. Which is fantastic. I'm sure that you, because in the book, he really talks about techniques to get there. And I don't want to spoil it, but there are definitely tried and true methods, techniques. This is not like hocus pocus or, you know, some crapshoot that may or may not happen. It's like, it's, it's pretty scientific, actually. It's logical. Actually. I, this is one of the things I love about it. I love about him. He's very connected to the woo-woo space, you know, the very new age space, but he's very logical, very practical. And that's what resonates with me because obviously I'm very logical and practical and very connected to the woo-woo world. And I love that. It's a great balance because, you know, you can really connect with people at multiple levels, wherever they're at, all of us can improve. Money is not that important to some people. That's great. You don't need to have tons of money if that's not your calling. But I knew that I needed to bring in more money so I could serve more people. I could employ more people. We could start a 501c3. We can, you know, so it's like, you know, your vision that's flowing through you, that's God given. And if you don't step out on that path, that's when the chaos starts. So for me, I learned pretty early on, you better walk on this path, the path that's laid out before you, because when I don't, that's when the suffering happens. It's so interesting because before you actually go out on the path, you think, you, you imagine all this suffering. And then when you release, relinquish, go with faith, you see that although it's not easy, right? Because nothing worth anything is, that it's there's no suffering like you're actually enjoying having a good time and 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 seeing the vision materialize before your eyes all right let's jump into a few questions talk about the process of writing your book for all my literary folks listening challenges joys and how has it been received out in the public well the book is not complete so oh it's not no i'll talk to you about the challenges of writing a book okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Relationship Redo, right? Is that the title of the book? Yeah. That's a giveaway that we have. That's one of our processes. And, you know, any of your listeners is welcome. You know, that's a download on our website, which everybody is welcome to have right off the bat. You don't have to buy it. It's just, and we don't send a lot of emails, so you don't have to worry about that. 
Yeah, MarlaMattinson.com. But I'll tell you, Julian and I are in the process of writing a book. And, you know, it's like taking the time, scheduling the time, and actually sitting down and doing it and not getting up to clean or do other <laughs> things that seem way more important than actually doing it. Yeah, there's so many amazing people out there that know way more about writing books than I do. But we're, we're getting through it. And I'm excited for when, you know, maybe 2019 we'll be ready. You'll be ready. Okay. Yeah, it's... It's an arduous task. I akin it to writing a because I I do you know I'm a writer producer film film director and I akin it to like writing a screenplay, just putting in that one to two hours a day and just you know being consistent and not answering the phone. It's 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 hard. You know it's hard. It's hard. We're we're like looking for distractions. You know? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Is that my phone? Right. No. Okay. <laughs> Please, somebody text me. Why isn't anybody texting me right now? <laughs> That's so funny. So we we mentioned it, but tell people what the relationship redo is and give an example of it. Okay, this is so fun. So we created this the relationship redo out of necessity. Okay. <laughs> so. You know, when you get in a conflict with anyone, this is good for relationships. This is good for colleagues. This is good for children. This is good for anyone. When you realize that you showed up in the moment as less than your amazing self, you can do it in the moment or you can do it a day later. You can do it a year later. You can do it 10 years later. You can ask for a redo anytime. Okay. The most amazing thing to rewire your brain happens in the moment. Okay, so that's just FYI. So here's what happens. You show up. You're not your most amazing self. Maybe you say something that was inappropriate or you didn't like or, you know, was cruel in some way, not kind. And you realize it. This is the best part. Awareness in the moment. You realize, oh, I was a jerk. <laughs> oh, no, I can see it on my partner's face. They're about to come back at me with some ugly. <laughs> and if you can catch it in that moment where you're the one who was not kind and you go, wait, before you respond, can I get a redo? Can I get a redo? I really, I didn't do that so great. And if they say yes, which hopefully they say yes, because why wouldn't they want you to redo something that you didn't show up great for, right? <laughs> And they have to hold it. So sometimes Julian has to go, okay, hold on. Give me a second. I got to, I got to pivot now. Hold on. I was about to get angry, but now I'm going to shift that into curiosity. Okay. Okay. So now he's ready, ready to receive it. And then the beautiful thing is we get to redo the exact same scenario, like your award-winning actors. Okay. And you bring your sparkly eyes, you bring your best energy and you, you speak to your partner in the way that you know they love and you ask for what you really want rather than being the demanding person or the angry person or whatever, however you showed up, not so great. And you reenact together the same scenario to create a better outcome together. And what happens is just total love and it's playful, it's fun. And what it does is it rewires your brain. It's amazing because in that moment, you're making a new choice. Whenever you make a new choice, those dendrites are going to start to grow in a new direction. And then it literally eliminates the need to say, I'm sorry, because you just redid it. There's nothing to be sorry for. And if you didn't experience the negativity first, 
then you wouldn't do the redo and the redo wouldn't be as amazing. And so we don't make the problem that you started into a problem. It's just, oh, that's what happened. And that needed to happen. We don't make it wrong. That needed to happen so I could experience a redo and claim my personal responsibility here, claim my personal power. I'm not at the mercy of this argument. I have the control over myself that I can bring myself in a new way that has a lot more joy, a lot more love, and a lot more tolerance to the situation. Yeah, and the other thing I like is that you actually still get to deal with the situation right you still get to go through whatever dialogue you were going to go through because a lot of times what happens is couples just will be like never mind we'll just move on and they haven't really moved on you know they they use distractors the kids television glass of wine whatever it is but that core issue still hasn't been dealt with and those things stack up and stack up and stack up over time and then it you know becomes a bigger problem than it needs to be so i th- that's what i really like because that that part about it plus it's fun in some of my other shows I, i've and actually talking about a book. I I did write a book. I'm waiting for the right time to release it. I'll just say that. But 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 in the (laughs) (laughs) in the book I talk about taking an acting class actually as a way to focus on on your truth. Because when you're performing, if you're not 100% invested in in the character, the audience is going to know. So it's great practice at being authentic. Even though you're playing a character, you have to authentically play that character and go all in 100%. And I found I went to acting school and I found a great benefit from it just for me as just personal development in terms of being, you know, owning my own shit and owning how I'm feeling and owning how, you know, what I want to say and, you know, the whole thing. It's about ownership. One of the things I love about acting classes, and I, I actually did some stage long, long, long time ago, some musical theater and stuff like that. You can't find it online because that was before the internet. But in any case, damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so I knew you'd research that. <laughs> One of the things I love about acting classes is that it helps you develop a full range of human emotions. And I know for myself, one of the things that I avoided was anger. I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to have anger expressed. And so when I took an improv class and they said, okay, you're angry. I was like, uh, uh, I don't want to be angry. (laughs) I had to be angry. And I actually was scared of the anger. I didn't know I didn't trust that if I started to unleash the anger that it wouldn't just consume me and I would, you know, like blow fire out my mouth towards everyone and kill them. You know, I didn't know what would happen because I had suppressed my anger so much. So I think it's such a safe place other than therapy, obviously, you know, explore the full range of human emotions. Right. And the the redo sort of takes, you know, takes a piece of that experience and applies it to a relationship, which is which is amazing. All right. Oh, this is a good one. You know, there's been a lot of things in the news about technology and about how it has caused people to be less intimate and less communicative. And so just talk a little bit about how technology has affected relationships negatively, but how we can actually use it positively. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite questions. I was actually on a podcast talking about the positive uses of technology. Oh, I know. I know. Thing. Oh, yeah. I, listen, I listened to it. It was, it was uh, very informative. I loved it. it. Right. But I want, I want to share it with the people because it's so amazing that, you know, you think of it in one way, but it's, this is like 
this is so special to me where you can take something that like would perceive that is perceived negatively and use it how you want to use it. It's a tool just like anything else. We get to claim in power how we want to use anything and anything can be used to harm ourselves. Anything. I can use my computer to harm myself. You know, I can look at social media and, and, and say, oh, I'm not good enough. Or I could use social media as a way to get inspired. Like, ooh, look at what they're doing. That sounds cool. I want to, I want to try that, you know? So technology, you know, there was this amazing article in psychology today last year. I think the title was menage a trois. Okay. <laughs> but the, the trois was the computer. So it was this couple in bed and their iPad was between them. Hilarious. Right? And so here's the thing is that the negative uses are that, you know, in the downtimes in relationships in the past, when there was downtime, meaning a pause in conversation, a little bit of a pause in the daily flow, couples used to come towards each other and have conversations. And now whenever there's downtime, as soon as there's like a moment of pause, you're in a conversation with a friend in person. And if there's a pause, everybody grabs their phone. They reach for their phone. Oh, I'm going to just check this really quick. What are you checking? You know? And so what's happening is we're using our downtime, which could be used for connection with our partners, with our friends, with ourselves. And we're reaching for technology to self-soothe and to fill the space. And this is why meditation is so important is because, right? Because we need to get comfortable with the silence. We need to get comfortable with nothingness because that's where all the creativity comes from. We need spaciousness, right? To let it come in. If you're filling every moment, then how can anything new come in? You're either being a consumer all the time or you're a producer and you need to consume some because that's what we do here. And we need to have spaciousness. So the negative uses are, of course, we're using them to self-soothe, we're using technology as a way to opt out of life, and we're using it as a way to compare and harm ourselves and make ourselves less than others and play the hierarchy game. Now, the pause, because you know, let's not end on that, i got to shake that off. Whew. Yeah, shake it off. Now, <laughs> the positive uses, not a lot of couples think about this. Now, because you listened to that, that show. Yeah, I heard the Julian story from the airport. Okay, wait. What was the Julian story at the airport? Oh, when he, when he asked you to go get water, and you will, and he oh. said, when you when he asked you to get water, and you will, and he said no. <laughs> oh my god! No. Okay. So this this is this goes to two things. Number one, one of our philosophies is truth above happiness. Yeah, you and Julian. Yes, in our life, in our personal life, in our business, we'd rather experience and know the truth than be happy. So, because the truth brings out all of the ugly, but you got to get the ugly out to see it in order to transform it. So you run away from the truth, you run away from the ugly, you think you're having happiness, but really there's a fabricated happiness. If you really want to experience true happiness and true joy and true love, you got to get all up in the truth. And the truth, like you say, of course, will set you free. We know that, right? So the airport story is a great story. Right. So we have a pre-planned agreement that we will never use texting in the negative. Okay. So if you're going to do this kind of thing, you want to make sure that you have a partner or a friend or a colleague who has this agreement with you that we will only text positive things or neutral things. We're not ever going to be negative towards each other. So here's what happened. We're in Hawaii. 
it was at the end of our trip. We're sitting in the airport. It's a tiny little, you know, it's in Hawaii. It's in a tiny little airport where, you know, we're in this booth in this restaurant that the counter is like 10 feet away. And I'm taking out our vitamins for all for us to take. And not, so I'm doing work, right? And I say, hey, babe, would you get us a bottle of water? And we have an agreement, right? And the agreement is you don't just placate and say, yes, dear. You feel into the truth of what you want. What is your true desire? And he was tired and, you know, he just, he didn't want to. And so he said, do you want my truth or do you want the other? (laughs) And I said with a little frown, you know, I want the truth. Because what I really wanted is I wanted him to get up and get the get water. The water right. I, Not all this con- nice goddamn conversation. Right? <laughs> and so he said, no, I don't want to get up and get the water. And I grabbed that piece and, of course, made meaning out of it in the moment. Like, oh, he doesn't love me. If he really loved me, he would get that water. You know, all the meaning, all those thoughts, the chatter started. So I got up and walked over got in line and I'm seething. I'm just like, screw that guy. You know, he can't even get me water. I'm doing the vitamins. Like, you know, all of that is going right. on. Look, and then look at what I'm myself. doing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm amazing. What's wrong with him? You know? and, I, and I realized awareness, right? I realized, oh, look at what I'm doing. So I catch myself and then the vulnerability comes. So I get my phone out of my pocket And I text him and I say, hey, I realize that I'm trying to find ways to punish you for not getting up and getting the water. And I don't want to do that. So I'm working really hard over here. This is a text. It was a long text. I'm working really hard over here to calm myself and to pivot and to approach you with love. Would you be willing to greet me with love? And then I pressed send. And for the 30 seconds it took for him to heart that text, I was in panic. You know, I was like, because he could say anything. He could be like, you're a bitch. I don't need to, you know, I don't want to greet you with love. Or, you know, he could say anything. And it was the unknown. Here's the vulnerability. I'm asking for what I really want. And he could say no again. He just said no over a water bottle. Now I'm asking him to greet me with love. I don't know what he's going to say. And he hearted it and he wrote, yes, exclamation point. I paid for the water. I turned around and he had his, he's six foot one, big dude with beard, the whole thing. I look over and he's got his arms out waiting to hug me. <laughs> right, right. And I just cried. Yeah. I just cried. It's because a beautiful moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you help me? Like, I need, that's what real collaboration is, is when you're vulnerable and you share with your partner, I'm struggling. Here's what I need. Can you do that for me? Can you help me with this? And if they say yes, it's like, oh my gosh, you can really come together. Yeah. Versus, you know, what you wanted to do, which, you know, the punishing and the, the, the ice him out, which is, ultimately trying to do the same thing right you're trying to get him to give you attention give you love you know by by doing that just to give the the people that are listening some context because what you just described is 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 absolutely amazing and also very difficult so to give people context how long do you say you you had to work on yourself till you could get to a point where you could do that (laughs) right exactly yeah (laughs) 
people think this is easy. It's not. It's not easy. I've been a Vipassana meditator since 2003. And that means I've been sitting 10 day silent meditation retreats where, you know, I go in, I observe my sensations in my body without reacting to them. And so I've been preparing for this for many, many years. And like I said, I'm dedicated to the truth above anything else, above comfort, above happiness, above anything. And so how long? I mean, over 10 it's years. been many, many years, yeah, 15 years. So just so people that are listening, you know, what she's describing is sort of the and, and she's told you throughout this interview that she's not perfect. She still has situations where she wants she, she's not bringing her best self. However, it's about each and every day trying and 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 being dedicated to being a better person or, or being in a, a stronger relationship to yourself and to your partner so just understand that this stuff takes time it takes time it takes effort second by second minute by minute month by month year by year and you have to be dedicated to yourself it's really a dedication to yourself so i just needed to say that because i think a lot of times people hear you and other guests that I have and and they don't understand the journey, you know, what it takes to get there. It takes it takes some, you know, some blood, sweat and tears to get there. But when you get there, you you get to have these amazing experiences like like you've just described. Yeah. And that's that's where choice comes in. So before that, I didn't really have the choice. I would have responded and iced him out when I got back to the table. And now because I've done all this work, there's choice involved now. And I get to choose, as soon as I become aware that I'm the issue, <laughs> then I can make the pivot. And, and the idea is that we become more and more aware. It's like this. When Julian and I are in some sort of conflict, because it happens, we're two different humans, right? So we get into some sort of a conflict, and I find myself saying internally, like, I just don't want, I just want, I'm defensive and I don't want him to have his way for some reason. And I, and then I have an internal dialogue and this might help some of the listeners. The internal dialogue I have with myself is, why am I holding on to this so tightly? Why can't I just let him have it? Why can't I just let him have his opinion? Can I? Like what part of me is clinging to being right you know, you know, you can hear, you hear, you know, you can either be right or you can be happy, that kind of a thing. <laughs> right. Well, right. it's true. And so I have this internal dialogue and then I say to myself, let him have it. And so as soon as I can hear that softened voice inside of myself, that's when I say, you know what, babe, you're right. I am doing that. I am acting that way. And you know what that does? As soon as I say that calms down, he's like, I got nothing else to say. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. The whole thing is diffused. It's gorgeous. And then we're, we're connected because I'm not fighting him. I'm not defensive. I'm not, what am I even fighting for? My ego, you know, like what's going on? It's amazing. So yeah, <laughs> we're still practicing all of what we teach. We practice on a daily. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Let's go into the last section of the show. Yes or BS. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to make a statement and you're going to say yes or BS if you agree with it or if you think it's bull. You can expound on your answer or not. It's up to you. Okay. Number one, freedom and connection are impossible to achieve simultaneously. BS. <laughs> That's so amazing because I mean, my whole career is about that. Freedom 
through connection. So when you're connected to yourself, first of all, and you're connected to God, spirit, source, universal energy, you're connected and you're connected to your partner and you're allowing for that spaciousness. That's where freedom comes from. And by the way, separation is a lie. We are all connected. We're all made of the same material. We're one big soul flowing, floating around it, knowing itself like connection is the truth and true connection. When you really allow yourself to experience that true connection with the oneness, that's where all the freedom lies. And we have access to that every moment of the day. We forget it. Right. And then we have to remember that's why the review exists. <laughs> Number two. This is a little controversial, so if you don't want to answer, it's up to you. I can abstain. <laughs> An entrepreneur is the best kind of lover. Ooh. <laughs> the passion, oh. the dedication. Oh, okay. okay. The dogmatism. <laughs> I'm going to say, I might get some haters over this, but that's okay. I'm going to say yes. Uh, and let me tell you why. Ha. Let me tell you why entrepreneurs are the risk takers. They're the empire builders. They're the <laughs> ones who are going to take that, like, you know, hatchet and like hack through whatever needs to be hacked through to get to it. So they're the explorers and guess what great sex is. You want to explore and discover new territory on a daily. So I'm going to say yes to that. All right. Okay. You got that uh, one. Got me going. Okay, go. <laughs> That's right. If if you ha if you don't if you haven't started a business, you may want to consider you that. You may now. want to consider it. It'll improve your sex life. <laughs> All right. Number three. Okay, I know your answer to this, but I I had to put this in here. Number three. Frozen foods can heat up your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying yes. Of course, I did a TV appearance on four frozen foods to heat up your frosty marriage. It was super fun. And I can tell you this, you can use anything to heat up your marriage. You can use anything to heat up your love life. You know, it takes a little effort, but the idea of that TV segment was that, you know, if you put the effort in to even frozen foods, make a frozen pizza and get a bottle of wine or some sparkling cider, whatever you want to do and sit down, have a movie night with your partner. Like, you can use anything to show your partner that you care and that you're putting in the effort because that's what we really care about. Like, do you want to be with me? Yeah, put in some effort. Yeah. So frozen foods work also. I <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> love it. You did your recon. Number five, nonverbal communication is more important than verbal. Yes. Yes, it is. You can tell that from go into a party, go to a party or any space where there's a lot of people around and you can see whom you're attracted to energetically, like who you would be like, mm, I'd like to talk to that person. Not necessarily even for sexual reasons, but just, just because they're the way they move their body, the way their facial expressions are, you know, the, the tone of their voice, not the words they're saying, but the tone you're like, Oh yeah, that I dig that person. And similarly, if someone's curmudgeon right. And they got their <laughs> arms crossed and they got a furrow, like oh, maybe I'll stay a little clear of that person. So I say yes to that. <laughs> Number six, maturity in relationships is difficult before age 35 maturity i mean i guess we would have to really define that i'll say this mature reactions 
in relationships are difficult before age 35? I'm going to say BS to that one because I know some young 20s somethings who are very good at that. And so even if there's one that proves it, so I'm going to call BS on that. Okay. I was going to skip this one, but I'll go into this. Number seven, last one. Discussing emotion is unimportant when coaching couples. Ooh. It's unimportant? Right. Unimportant. And the reason I put this in here, because I heard you say that a lot of times you just try to deal, in, in the beginning, you just try to deal with facts and patterns. Yeah. I'd say in the beginning, it's unimportant. Eventually, you have to work through the emotions. So I'm going to do a yes-BS combo on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I I am going to say that in the beginning, when we go through the logic, I think it's important for couples to understand intellectually what's happening so that then they can deal with the emotions with the intellectual understanding and they can use their logic to work through the issues together. Because when you only use the emotions, it becomes a big problem because it becomes volatile because emotions... That's what they're there for. They're there to be volatile and, you know, big and, and it doesn't help when you're trying to work through issues. It helps when you get into your logic so that you understand what's happening on a physical level on an emotional level, you know, and then, and then on a spiritual level, on a bigger picture, you know, that you came in with a soul contract with your partner to work through these, this material. And that's your obligation and your responsibility to work through that material. It's funny when you when you said the emotions are supposed to be there. I was thinking like, yeah, like if a thousand pound rhinoceros is running after me, I need my emotions, you know. <laughs> but that's how we that's how we interpret it, you know. When we're in those very highly, you know, emotional situations, we interpret it like. I mean, I've heard you say this that our partner is the enemy, and you know that this is a fight, and you know we need to protect ourselves. It's so interesting. Yeah, on a biological level, we, in a, in a conflict with our partner, we, on a biological level, view our partners as a threat, like a, like a crazy lion, you know, but it's not true. It's just, that's why we get so reactive. Okay, cool. Well, that's all I've, I've got. This has been fantastic. Great conversation. I think the, the listeners have got a lot of juice, a lot of juice to drink today. Tell the people where they can find you, how they can connect with you, and if they're interested in coaching and working with you. Yes. First of all, so much fun today. This is fantastic. <laughs> I'll get up early any day for this. <laughs> Amazing. Well, when I well, maybe, maybe we can do it again if I, if I get out to LA. I, I got to get out there at some point. Oh, yeah. Come here. We can do it at my place. Yeah. How awesome. Then you can awesome. meet Julian. You'll love it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So people can find me at my website, marlamattinson.com. And on Instagram, we go under The Intimacy Experts handle and on facebook marla mattinson on there you can find me and follow me on there beautiful you got anything any other media stuff coming up you gonna be on tv or anything go to the website and you'll see all of the upcoming things yeah there's quite a quite a few things in the works right now you work really hard i mean i was like this this woman she's like you know the james brown of of coaching the hardest working woman in coaching i mean you're you're, ev- you're everywhere I will never retire. I will never retire. I love working. I love serving. And this is, this is my passion. Couples, couples in business, love, relationships, intimacy, and speaking the truth. And that's why I was so excited to meet you and be on this show because that's what you're about. It's beautiful. 
that's what I'm about. All right. Well, with that, I will sign off as I always do. Thank you, Marla. The truth will set you free if you let it.